the interim chief of police issued to the media and the general public a statement that grossly mischaracterizes the intent and effect of this proposed amendment. Well, that's Seattle City Council President Lorena Gonzalez trying to set things straight on what has been a confusing and bruising back and forth over the budget for the Seattle Police Department. So what's she talking about? Why is Interim Chief Diaz so upset? And what's with all the memos flying around City Hall? Well, we are going to answer those questions and plenty more here on Seattle News, Views and Brews, your Coffee Break political podcast. Brian Callanan with you. I am a host on Seattle Channel. The views expressed here are my own. And joining me once again is Kevin Schofield of Seattle City Council Insight, who's been taking in so much spin on the city budget over the past few weeks. He has to take a daily dose of Dramamine. Ke- Kevin, yeah. how you doing, bud? Getting a little dizzy out there from all this spin, <laughs> but you know. It happens. We're going to work our way through it. Going to work our way through it. Thanks. Uh, great to see you as always, Kevin. And thanks to City Grind Espresso, our background noise sponsor for the audio podcast. They are your favorite coffee spot on the first floor of City Hall. So please do support them. Other small businesses, too. Small Business Saturday coming right up. Thanks to owners John and Riley from City Grind for their support. Thanks also to our patrons. I know a lot of you are listening. We're hoping some of you can support the show, too, if you are able. Jump in at the coveted $10 level on Patreon, and we will send you a Seattle News Views and Brews coffee mug. There they are right there. Our mug shot of the week from Ellen. She actually did let her mug fill up with rainwater over the past week. That thing is darn near full, and I'm glad it didn't get blown over. So hang in there, everybody. We're going to get through monsoon season before you know it. And also, everybody, please do become a patron of the show at any level you can. We would really appreciate the support. Special thanks to Converge Media, the video version of our podcast, featured on Converge Wednesday nights at 7. All right, off we go with right here, right now. Well, Kevin, we are recording the show at a critical juncture just before the council approves the 2022 budget. So I want to try to set the stage here. Dozens of memos have been flying around here across the interwebs between the council, the federal police monitor, the city budget director, interim police chief Adrian Diaz, too. Before we talk about the actual amendments, can we go through this? The police monitor's concerns, maybe make our way to the budget director and the police chief, too. Help us break this down, please. Yeah, so a few weeks ago, the city council, when they went through their whole list of 190 amendments, they yeah. uh, you know had several that cut you know, altogether somewhere between 10 and $11 million from, uh, from SPD's budget. Yes. And uh, the police monitor and Judge Robart, who oversees the consent mm-hmm. decree, have said in the past some remarks that one uh, could consider to be critical of budget cuts to SPD. Right. So, of course, the city council decided, well, we'd better go, at the very least, go brief the police monitor on this. Mm-hmm. So they sent one of their staff over to, to brief the police monitor. Yep. And, uh, you know, at the end of that, that meeting, he said, well, you know, I can't give you some feedback right on the spot, but I'll, right. you know, I'll send you some feedback. So a week later, he yeah. sent a memo. Yeah. Uh, and in particular, he called out some cuts to some technology projects mm-hmm. that uh, SPD had planned to, to uh, fund. Yeah. And said these are really essential for data gathering, mm-hmm. for ongoing uh, uh, analysis and evaluation of how the city is complying with the consent decree. So, sure, you know, right. don't don't cut those. Right. Uh, right, right and right. he didn't really comment on the other ones. Right. It turns out, though, that, you know, when they got around to sort of putting together the chair's balancing package, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. those amendments that they briefed the city, the, the police monitor on had changed a fair amount. Between yeah, them. right. Uh, and so, you know, a couple of things happened from there. One, the city council, uh, in particular, Budget Chair Mosqueda, sort of made yeah. some representations about 
what they'd done to brief uh, the police monitor, which turned out to be not entirely the whole story. Okay, okay, right, right, and, right. And, and so the police monitor got a little upset about the fact sure. that, uh, hey, you know, they're, yeah. You know, yeah, there was, you didn't brief me in all this, and it's not like I said okay to everything else. So right, you know, right, right. you know, let, let's let, let's not, you know, let, let's not overextend what I actually said and did. Sure, sure. And okay. and must get a pushback with right, you know, right. memos have grown about hey, here's the whole timeline of what we did and mm-hmm. uh, for briefing the police monitor and all this. In the meantime, um, SPD Chief Diaz. Sent his own memo, angry memo, off to the city council, right, 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 complaining about the potential cuts, and of course, Mosqueda sent a memo back for that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, even more recently, just in general, the uh, city budget director Ben Noble wrote his own memo, not specifically calling out the SPD cuts, but in general, pointing out that you know uh, uh, the the long term financial stability of and sustainability of the city budget. Mm-hmm. The, the, there are some concerns there. There are some concern, right. concerns even before COVID happened, right. particularly since COVID happened. Yeah, you know there are concerns, and and so he sent a memo off with some of his concerns about this, sure. mm-hmm. and uh, the the city council sent a memo back. Uh, yeah, we, and both of, <laughs> both of those members said, "Yeah, we're not trying to point fingers at both of them." Quite honestly, right. pointing fingers. At right, 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 right. So you know, lots continues. and lots yeah. of memos going yeah. back and forth about this stuff. It, it's yeah. just. It's really it's 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 been quite the mess. And then, you know, where it ended up at the end of last week when the city council actually sat down to vote on yes. these amendments. Right. This chief is, Diaz part is big, yeah. Is the chief Chief Diaz basically sent out a press release yeah. calling out one particular amendment mm-hmm. and really misrepresenting what, okay. what what it was about. Yeah, let's so, break this down, this whole concept of position authority. Uh, you had a great piece okay. on this in SEC. All right. Tonight. Yeah, I read yeah, a, I read it a out. long stretch piece it out. on this. Yeah. Yeah, the way large organizations do their budgeting for for headcount and, and payroll is mm-hmm. if you want to hire somebody, you get two numbers, right? right you get a position right. authority, which allows you to hire somebody, and that's a, that's a recognition of the fact that if you hire somebody this year, you're still mm-hmm. going to be paying them next year. So you're not right, only right, right. Yeah. accruing a financial burden for this year, but mm-hmm. for future years as well. So we better do some planning around that. And then you also get, mm-hmm. and then you also get the money to pay the person. This yep. year. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in a nice, stable, fully hired organization, those are the same, <laughs> yeah. you know, those, those are nicely aligned, but they can yeah. get out of alignment in a, sure. an organization that's growing or mm-hmm. an organization that's shrinking. Yes. And what's right. happened with SPD over the last couple of years is because it's had so much attrition. Yep. It's shrinking. It's position authority. Mm-hmm. About thirteen hundred and fifty yep. is well above the number of people that it actually has. Right. But because right. of this weird part of how city budgeting kind of works by default, mm-hmm. yeah. the starting place for SPD's payroll budget every year is right. the position authority, not right. the actual number of employees that they have. Right? right. Right. And and Council President Gonzalez was trying to rectify that, I guess, in some ways, yeah, in terms right. of that because position authority. Because what happened this year with this is uh, SPD ended up with $19 million of salary savings at the beginning of the year. Now, you know, right. salary savings at the end of the year, you can expect that, right? You sure. know, maybe hiring went slower or there was more attrition Absolutely. so you just yeah. didn't spend all your payroll, right? Mm-hmm. I get that. Yeah. But you're not supposed to have $19 million of salary savings at the beginning of the year. Right, right. right? This is Something's when, gone wrong yeah. in your budget process. So yeah, Councilmember Muscate has been saying, you know, we don't want to leave money laying around, especially in a time of COVID. Yeah. So, and, and, of course, basically what this turned in for, for, for uh, Mayor Jerkin was a slush fund, yeah. right? Yeah, she took right. that $19 million and proposed 
how to spend 17.9 million of it on other mm-hmm. things. Yes. And city right. council, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You mm-hmm. don't just get that money as part of SPD and then decide what you want to do with it, right? That's right. part of the budgeting process. But it's really easy wow. to kind of construct the mayor's proposed budget in ways that make it really hard to unwind these things yeah. for the city right. council. Right, right. Right. And city council would rather have an upfront conversation about, hey, new mm-hmm. spending on things than just have seventeen point nine million dollars in slush fund and SPD that right. they decide and then the council has to try to figure, you know, like do the detective work, figure out where did all that money go and then maybe sure. call some of it back if they disagree with some of the spending. Right. right. So right. all that is, you know, precursor to mm-hmm. Council President Gonzalez putting out a proposal that says, Okay, this amendment. Let's, yeah. Since mm-hmm. since they're since their actual number of employees is only about 1,220 yeah. and their position authority is 1,350, okay. you know, about 134 difference between those two. Yeah, yeah. And even if you ask FPD, they say it would, you know, take, you know, out to 2024 at the earliest before get, they could even get up to like 1,250. Right, right, let's right. Let's get 101. Right. Let's, let's yeah. take a position authority down from, from, um, uh, uh, from 1350 mm-hmm. down to 1256. Right. right? That's what still a good, like 35 yeah. above mm-hmm. where they are right now. So like yep, if yep. they imagine you get a bunch of people from Bellevue police department show up, up saying, yeah. Hey, we want to come work for you. They, they would have the money for that. Even if it's yeah. above and beyond what they have in their, in their staffing plan for next right, year. Right. Right. So right. So it's no real constraint for this year or even really for next year. Right. Yeah. It takes it yeah. down to 1250 where they think they right. might be in 2024. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. But this got spun by, but Chief Diaz is they're trying to cut a hundred SPD officers. Yeah. yeah. They weren't. Yeah. And and that was just complete nonsense. It was wrong. Quite frankly, Chief Diaz, who spun up a lot of misleading press coverage of this mm. based upon yeah. that claim. Right. Uh, right. He he owns Gonzalez an apology because yeah. because he and I, you know, I can't be just mine, so I don't know if that was yeah. Deliberate, or if he also misunderstood, because hey, this budgeting stuff is complicated. It's, it's confusing. But, yep. um, yeah, but but he was wrong. Yeah, and, and and the upshot of it is the council didn't move on this amendment from Council President Gonzalez. Right, right. I think because they were scared about this piece. Yeah, I think they, I think they were pretty scared about this yeah. and, and the way the optics would look on this. Right. Yeah. So the the one, in fact, in general, you know, of all the proposals to sort of restore some of the you know their cuts to SPD. Mm-hmm. Uh, only one actually got approved, and that yeah. was to add back in the expansion of the community service officer program by, by six was, employees. Yep. Mm-hmm. All the other ones, you know, it turns out that there was a lot of interest in restoring some of the other ones. Right. But they really got their hands tied around the funding source that they would use to do that. Because yeah. they don't have a lot of money. They've used all the money sure. they have lying around. Right? Absolutely. So yeah. The only thing that was really left was. Um, this thing called the Revenue Stabilization Fund, which yes, is a, right, right, one, right. a thing that they've depleted significantly over yeah. the last two years. It's an emergency fund for the city yeah, kind of to use fund. when yeah. mm-hmm. city revenues take a hit, as they have yes. under COVID. Right, right, so right. They've depleted significantly. This is the year they were starting to build it back. Yeah. They've, you know, they've got a city policy that says they were supposed to put in about, you know, a, a certain amount. They're yeah. actually. You know the the budget right now is putting in about ten million dollars more than that. Right. So they, right, they were right. having some discussion about, hey, you know, maybe we don't have to put in a full ten yeah. million dollars more. They're only supposed to put in about three million or so. Right. Yeah. But Go but on. a number of the city council members also basically took to heart, yeah. um, the city budget director's memo saying, hey, look, you know, yeah. long term sustainability of this budget and you know yeah. even just like revenues or things like the payroll tax sure. next right. year are. Right. 
are less of a sure thing than we'd really like them to be. Yeah. And so they said, yeah. not feeling good about yeah. shortchanging the revenue stabilization fund. We should right. be putting everything we can in there because we may need it as soon as next year. Yeah. And just to briefly wrap this up, Kevin, in terms of what happened with the budget overall, it doesn't sound like much beyond this balancing package. A lot of these amendments are, are going to make it through. And I know we're at, we're looking no. at some moving targets here, but just some final thoughts yeah. on that. There are very little change. So, um, you know, the other one thing they did was they actually um, sneaked in there a modification to the mayor's ex- emergency executive order from a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago that authorized oh, hiring, hiring yeah. bonuses yeah. for SPD officers mm-hmm. and yep. for nine one one dispatchers. Right. Right. And right. so the the modification they're making is they're limiting the total amount that can be spent mm-hmm. on that yeah. up to $500,000. Yes. And they put an expiration date on it. It expires right. on December 31st, basically Mayor Durkin's last day in office. Yeah. So yeah. it's going to run through the end of this year, but it won't have any budget implications for next year. Wow. That's amazing. So I know we're going to keep track of this. And of course, the final vote on Monday, the 23rd, will keep track of the fallout too. Up next, a new vaccination clinic opening in the Rainier Beach area. That's the good news. The bad news? watching those COVID case levels rise again across the nation. We're going to break it down with Now Hear This. So last week, Mayor Jenny Durkin celebrated the opening of a new vaccine clinic in southeast Seattle at the senior center there. She mentioned that in Seattle, 87.2% of our eligible residents are vaccinated. We have the lowest hospitalization and mortality rate of any major city. With that, however, comes a warning. But we know that as we roll out pediatric vaccinations for children who are 5 to 11 years old and boosters to those who are eligible, particularly our most vulnerable, that we have to, again, kind of provide more community-based vaccination clinics for our residents. Kevin, a few parts to this. So the FDA is expected to recommend booster shots for basically anyone that wants them, not limiting these to people who are older or, or more vulnerable health-wise. So the city is really trying to ramp this up, especially getting more children age 5 to 11 vaccinated too. I've seen this trend in our state that case, cases have kind of hit this plateau of sorts, but nationwide, cases are up 23% in the past two weeks. It, it just feels like the city felt they had to do something here. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we're, we're, th- there's big debates right now about whether, you know, herd immunity is even really a thing we can, we can reach. Yeah, and Delta has right. really changed our minds on this in a lot of ways because yeah. herd immunity is based upon, you know, eliminating pockets of susceptible people. Yes. But it's also about basically stopping transmission, right? Be- right. Having, having mm-hmm. low transmissibility of it. And what right. Delta has shown us is that, um, you know, even, vaccinated people could mm-hmm. still uh, catch it and be asymptomatic and even potentially pass it on to other people for That's a, right. a short amount of time in which they're, they're contagious. So, mm-hmm. the, so the whole idea that we could actually get to, get to herd immunity is now sort of really in question. But at the wow. same time, yeah. you know, even if we take approach from this saying, well, this is going to be endemic, this is going to be with us, kind of like influenza is, yeah. you know, when we switch over to looking at what's the right way to really manage this as, manage an, as an endemic right. virus, mm-hmm. you know, look at what we do with influenza, right? Yeah. We, mm-hmm. you know, have regular essentially booster shots yep. of mm-hmm. that. Every and we year. use right. that to protect the most vulnerable people mm-hmm. as well as in some ways to, you know, reduce transmission. Sure. And, I got, and, I got my shot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got, I got mine too. Yeah. And, you know, and I recommend everybody to go do that. Sure. Absolutely. <clears throat> and, and it, you know, it, and it helps a lot, right. You know, mm-hmm. la- uh, and, you know, other sort of just public health measures that we do yeah. and, you know, personal um, sanitation measures that we do to, to reduce transmiss- 
trans, yeah. uh, transmission. That all you know helps a lot, and we're going to end up doing that. Uh, but at the same time, vaccines and boosters are going to be really, really important. Right, right. If this right. is going to be a thing that we're going to live with, we want to get to the point where you know nobody gets really seriously ill. There's still, I mean, there's still deaths from influenza every year, right? Absolutely. There's yeah. still, you know, even if we this becomes endemic and you know we get it under control, mm-hmm. there are still going to be people who get seriously ill. Hopefully, it'll That's be right. very, very low, and the vaccines right. will help us tremendously with doing right. That. Yeah, just as well, our healthcare system is getting overloaded right now. Keep going. Yep. Yeah, as well as therapeutics and mm-hmm. antivirals. We're seeing a right. whole bunch of those really yep. interesting and apparently pretty effective ones show yep. up on the market. And just, you know, coming back to vaccines for a moment, yeah. you know, the, the flu vaccines, annual flu vaccines are about 50 to 60% effective. I we've see. got, yeah. we've got COVID vaccines that are, you know, north of 90% effective. Right That's now, a big deal. Right? Yeah. And yeah. at least in preventing severe disease or death, yes, which is the most not necessarily yeah. pre- preventing infection, but right. preventing se- severe disease. Yeah, you know, if if we had that with flu, oh goodness, we'd be yeah. in a much yeah. better shape of flu every year. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's a good sign. We, you know, it's not clear whether we're going to be able to stay at ninety yeah. percent effectiveness sure. for right. the long term with these. Although, mm-hmm. you know, the mRNA vaccines are designed a very different way than how flu vaccines. That's are right. And there's right. a lot of people looking at, okay, do we need to use that same approach for flu vaccines right now? So there's a lot of innovation yeah. that's come out of uh, COVID over the last two years yes. that we're going to see applied to influenza and other, yeah. you know, a whole bunch of other viral diseases that, that yeah. will, I think, in a lot of ways change healthcare in the years to come. I, I, I've almost lost count here, but it sounds like we might be coming up on a fifth wave of COVID kind of spreading across the United States. Your thoughts about that, concerns about that. This is such a, a pandemic that won't go away, I guess. Yeah, it, it, it is endemic, right? It yeah, is, right, it is right. It's spread around it, so far. It, it isn't going, I, I think we need to assume at this point, it's yeah. not going to go away and we're going to have to manage it. You know, we're, the the notion like everybody gets vaccinated and it goes away. Sure. And, you know, when we reach herd immunity, yeah. it, it, that does not seem to be what's happening. Okay. And yeah. more and more healthcare professionals and epidemiologists are sort of getting on the bandwagon of now that's yep. that's not the way this is going to end. Right? Wow. So, okay. yeah. uh, uh, so will it be a fifth wave? You know, I, yeah. I think we do have the you know the ongoing dangers of mm-hmm. uh, like we saw last year with the holiday yeah. season. Sure. Right. 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 Yep. You know, we we do have a lot more people vaccinated, and that will help. Mm-hmm. We do have better therapeutics. We you know we have rapid testing. Right. Yeah, I got a couple. Mm-hmm. You know, I order, mail ordered home a couple kits. of yeah. rapid mm-hmm. home rapid kits. Yeah, you know, I've got an. I'm going to take one with me in the holidays when I go visit my folks. Right, you so bet. If yeah, something yeah. happens, I yeah. can I can test myself really quickly, and Good. and that will help too. Right, if, absolutely. If people yeah. can find out if they're actually infected and yeah. isolate themselves really quickly, absolutely. that will make an enormous right. difference. Right, yeah. right, right. Stay healthy, stay safe, everybody, especially you, Kevin. We need you around, buddy. All right. More election action, I should point out, is coming your way. If you live in District 3, the recall election of Councilmember Shama Sawant, we've been talking about this. Ballots were mailed out last week on November 17th. And I've been looking at this, Kevin. The money keeps rolling in. As of mid-November, $843,000 for the Sawant Solidarity Campaign, the people that want to keep her in office, $741,000 for the recall effort. Both of those numbers jumped up about $40,000 in just about a week's time. I'm just trying to figure out, Kevin, what the next few weeks are going to look like when it comes to campaigning for both sides. Here we go all over again in terms of uh, a lot of election messages heading out there. Yeah, well, and 
you know, the interesting part about this one is it's really just District 3. It's not yeah, City right. Lot. Yeah. Right? But District 3 is going to look a lot yeah. like, uh, you know, the, the last two weeks of October looked yeah. like right. at, throughout the city, right? There's going to be lawn signs. There's going to yep. be window signs. There's mm-hmm. going to be signs posted on telephone poles. Yep. There's going to be a lot of flyers in the mail. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of people going door to door, you know, mm-hmm. knocking on doors, trying to get out the vote. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, and it is concentrated just in this one area of the city, but it is going to be intense up there. Yeah. I've already heard, you know, from folks I know who live up there that, it, you know, mm-hmm. they can't walk down the street without running into, you know, right. somebody, a volunteer for one side or the other. Around That's right. Us, right. Yeah. No, so, um, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be intense. Uh, it's going to be intense, and we will see what happens there. If indeed it does happen, the council would have to choose a replacement for it. And as I understand it, that person would have to run again next year. Is that right, Kevin? I wanted to make sure I broke that. Yeah, so the council would appoint somebody who would serve until the next general election. Right. And that right, would right, be right. next November. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then that person so, would have to run again if they wanted to hold on the position in 2023. They really prefer to appoint somebody who is not going to that's right, try to that's run right. for right, right, person. Right, right, right. Yeah. And, and because they don't want to be seen as giving somebody an advantage in the election. There you go. All right. Well, thank you for that, Kevin. I want to break down what's happening with the State Redistricting Commission, a deadline that came and went. We're talking about it coming up on What's Next. We got trouble in redistricting land at the state level for the first time. The State Redistricting Commission, been around for several decades here, has failed to meet its deadline for redrawing new legislative district boundaries. So now this job will end up in the lap of the state Supreme Court. Kevin, what happened here? Some general thoughts about this. I, I think we're still sorting out what happened. Yeah, I, you know, true. I've yeah. seen you know one report from uh, from the Washington Observer, mm-hmm. which says that uh, essentially. Well, what I mean, what happened on the ground, we you know, was uh, they went to the very last minute. They had a yep. deadline of midnight yep. on a particular night last yep. week, where they had yep. to get the, you know, sort of the, you know, the four four person commission had to vote on, you know, right, at, at least three of them to approve a set of districting maps. Yes, yeah, two and Dems, two didn't. Republicans involved with that. Keep going. Yeah, yeah. and they didn't. They didn't yeah. get it done by midnight. They actually yeah. voted something right after midnight. Right, but right, uh, you know. It, essentially doesn't count because they were past the deadline. Right. And right. so then under the law, it then goes to the state Supreme court to decide what the, what the maps yeah. will be. And they'll have till yeah. March to decide that. So officially sort of that's a line. Yeah. What you know, the Washington observer said after doing some poking around mm-hmm. was that it was a political ploy by the Democrats to basically stall it out because yeah. they thought they could get the, you know, what everybody believes to a very, to be a very left-leaning state Supreme court yeah. to approve yeah better maps than what they could get through this four-person commission. Yeah, yeah. Now, I will say, Senator John Braun, who was a pretty staunch Republican in the state legislature, did come out with a press release soon after this saying, hey, Supreme Court, they did their job. They might have made this decision a few minutes later or whatever else, but please stick by this. And I just wonder what what happens next. Does the Supreme Court reopen this? It sounds like they're going to get uh, a case basically from both sides here as as to what's happening here from the Democrats, from the Republicans. But it feels like this opens up a Pandora's box again. And I, I really wonder what's going to happen over the next couple of months, because this is uncharted territory for the Supreme Court. Oh, yeah. And it's very political. And this is the last yeah. thing the Supreme Court wants to spend time yeah. on. They do not yeah. want to be doing this. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, you know, they're not experts in this. They're not districting masters. So they're yes, going to have right. to, you know. 
look at they're going to get a pile of evidence and yep. uh, you know lots and lots of amicus briefs and yeah everybody's going to weigh in this they're going to have to read it all and yeah. then i don't even know i i, I didn't i don't even know what process they would have to follow they're going to have, have to make up out. a whole process yeah. to decide mm-hmm. this right Yikes. which i guess in some ways is going to be very similar to what the you know the four person districting commission has yes. to go through right so, right right are right. they just going to repeat that whole process from the beginning Boy, yeah. are they going to pick up from where the commission left off when they Yikes. Hit the, like and there, I mean this is fairly unprecedented right yeah. so yeah. I, I don't you know but you know <laughs> their law says yeah. it's up to them now and yep yep, yep. Uh, and you know the legislature happen. nobody gets to tell them how to do this now that's right, right? that's right yeah. The justices will figure it out. Yeah, and they'll they'll have to make a decision by April 30th of next year is the deadline that I've seen out there. So we'll keep track of this one. Well, we need to wrap up the show here, and we always try to do that with the taste of something good to have with your coffee on our Coffee Break uh, podcast. So, Kevin, take a look. Today it is indeed, I'll bring it right up here, a sugar cookie, and you might be mm. able to see, do you see some of that red and green hint I in do. there? Yeah, okay. yeah. I, I'm just I'm just wondering. Is it too early for Christmas cookies? Do you have to wait until after Thanksgiving? Any thoughts on this? What What do you? Oh, think? it's never too early for Christmas yeah. cookies. <laughs> Fire them up right. in June. Why not? <laughs> as long as your insulin level can handle it, it's never That's too right. early for sugar. That's cookies. right. That's right. When do you start baking them up? I know that you're a you're a big holiday baker. You know, I don't do sugar cookies. I don't like okay. the sort of generic sugar cookies. I know. I, I, I like you know. Out. Yeah. I like molasses cookies. Oh, yeah. I yep. like mm-hmm. cho- I love chocolate chip cookies and all sorts of variations in chocolate chip cookies. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah. Uh, it, it's that time. It's that time of year for sure. Yeah. But I'm not, I'm not, I'm not really treats. just a sort of generic sugar cookie kind of guy. Okay. I know. It, you're, you have a lot of depth, my friend. So we, we will plumb those depths in the weeks ahead as we talk about some I'm of the Christmas cookies. I'm not sure I have that bring. much depth. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I'm not sure. <laughs> Take I'm it not easy. Deep. Take it easy. All right. Well, thank you, Kevin, as always, for participating in the show. It's always great to have you. Thanks also to our patrons. Thanks, everybody who's listening. It is Seattle News, Views, and Brews, where you can always find out what's brewing in local politics. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you might listen. Again, please do support our show on Patreon. Always appreciate it. Thanks also for watching on Converge Media. We will see you next time. Seattle News, Views, and Brews is an independent production of Callanan Media Services. Copyright 2021.